You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Hey, hey, Jess O'Reilly here, and I am with Kate Roddy, a sports and pelvic physiotherapist. You have just released a new pelvic wand called the Kegel Release Curve. What does that mean, Kegel Release? So um, I think Kegel Release is we are trying to release our Kegel muscles, and our Kegel muscles is just the pelvic floor. Um, Pelvic floor consists of a whole bunch of muscles, and for probably 80 years now, we just keep getting told to do our Kegels, and we know so much more about those muscles and knowing that uh, we need to release them. We're probably overly stressed down there. Our vaginas are stressed, just like any other part of our body, because it's muscles. So most people should perhaps not be doing Kegels? Most people need to check in with what their vagina needs. And even within a certain week, they may need different things. So if you are very stressed, your vagina is probably stressed as well because those muscles respond to stress, whether it's mental or physical, and they're going to protect and guard just like any other body part. So we will always guard our most intimate organs stronger than anywhere else. So if you're stressed, good chance your vagina is stressed and we want to release those muscles like anything. So you're probably tensing up and almost doing a permanent Kegel. Is that a fair way to put it for lay people like me? Absolutely. Absolutely. So tension is a contraction, right? It's it's the muscle contracting on itself. And if it doesn't let go, then it's just holding on all the time. And then you don't really have a lot more capacity for those muscles to work when you need them. So for example... If I am really tense, and so I'm in a state of contraction, almost like I'm doing a Kegel, Mm -hmm. though not consciously, when I laugh, will I pee because my muscle is too tired? Absolutely. If women are having experiences with these accidental leaks, so sneeze, laugh, they go to lift something heavy, even the jump or running, those are all forms of incontinence and we call that stress incontinence right so there's an external factor that acts on our body that makes us have a little bit more pressure in our intra-abdominal cavity which just means our, our stomach area and that pushes down on our pelvic floor if we're too tense from sort of everything else going on in our lives the pelvic floor has nothing more to give when we get that external factor and then we got drops tablespoon or hopefully not the whole bladder but it happens Now, we joke about this often. So I play Ultimate Frisbee, and when folks come back from having taken a break because they had a kid, they come back and they say, oh, I I pee when I run now, or I pee when I laugh. Mm -hmm. And we accept it as just a normal part of life. Should we be accepting this? No, absolutely not. And that's, that's one of the things that sort of scares me and what I'm probably most passionate about in this industry is that the incontinence statistic right now in women who have had children, and we're actually seeing it even younger without children because of some of the high intensity um, activities and sports that women are now playing, but it's one in three. And that seems tremendously too high. So we have accepted it because it is common, but it's not normal. And so if we were to sprain our ankle and like after a week or two, we're still limping, that would be reasonable and 
common. If you're still limping six months or 12 months later, that would that would be a little bit more unreasonable. That's that's not common. And it means that we didn't do enough with that rehabilitation of our ankle to get it back to where we need it to. And so what are some of these more extreme activities or sports we're partaking in that are leading to this? Is, is it stress incontinence or no? I would say so, yes. Okay. That's mostly because it's that really, it's so heavy lifting, right? So our CrossFit population, we're definitely seeing more younger women getting um, uh, cases of incontinence because of the breathing patterns that they're utilizing when they go to lift, right? So breath holding, increasing this intra-abdominal pressure. So the pressure within our core, and then they go to lift something more, and like there's the little little squeak of of urine that pops out. Okay, uh, luckily I don't lift anything heavy ever. So the only thing I lift is my, my carry-on. Actually, mm-hmm. it's pretty heavy, and I always pretend that it's not, because you know, it's only allowed to be 22 pounds, right. and it's this little tiny thing, and it's all packed in, and when I lift it up, I pretend it's not heavy, so no one kind of looks at me suspiciously, but that's neither here nor there. Anyhow, <laughs> so is there a way, for example, you should be lifting weights differently in order to protect your pelvic floor? Well, absolutely, right? So. Our diaphragm is what controls our breath, right? And when we breath hold, we, so sort of like sucking in and then holding that breath is really like it bracing everything. And so it's almost like some of the breathing patterns that we're teaching pregnant women to utilize that sort of little exhale, or some people will say blow before you go, right? So What does that mean? (laughs) So it means that you are breathing out as you exert, Okay. Right? So you go to lift something heavy and exhaling out allows that extra pressure to be released from your core such that muscles can really contract and there's nothing else pushing on them. So specifically pelvic floor down at the bottom, if we consider that our basement of our big core cylinder. So why are people holding their breath? Because I I think about, you know, if you've ever had a trainer or lift weights, they, they do tell you to exhale upon contraction or exhale at the hardest point? So people who have personal trainers, fantastic, but a lot of the general population does not. So they think that they need to brace everything before they go to lift. And it's almost, it's just a breathing pattern that becomes almost learned where they (gasps) take the big breath in and then they forget to let it out when they go to lift or do anything. So because of the intensity. The uh, intensity, yeah. Is part of it a performance-based piece? Listen, I'm not familiar with CrossFit. I'm not a gym person. But is it performance-based where we're trying to lift too heavy as well? Potentially, yeah. And sometimes there's a little give and take in terms of we want to lift heavier and you have to get to that next weight. But the first couple of times you do it, it is probably too heavy for you until you build that strength. That really is the sort of goal of weightlifting is to keep going up a little bit at a time. But if we if we don't learn the proper breathing patterns or form along the way, it's like anything. This is where we see injuries, whether it's low back, whether it's a pelvic floor dick, function, whether it's, you know, your knee builds up tension or something like that, because we're not doing the work that we need to do to prep for the activity or even scrape that activity off. And what I mean by that is our stretching, our rolling, our our self-care, 
you know, we look after our cars better than we look after our own bodies sometimes, right? So we need oil changes. We need to put gas in the tank and we need to do that. If we put kilometers on our body, so to speak, we got to kind of like clean them off a little bit so that the engine runs well. So what does that look like for your pelvic floor? So pelvic floor, I do think it is releasing those muscles, right? So a little bit of what we call perineal massage or perineal release where we get down there either manually, so by our hands, and you insert a thumb or a finger and you're just basically pushing down on these muscles to get a stretch. So if we think about our, our vaginas as a clock face, right, straight down is six o'clock, to the left, five o'clock, to the right, seven o'clock. If you push down on those areas just to get a little bit of a stretch, it's also checking in, like, what does that feel like? Are you getting pain with that? Does it just feel like a stretch like you would maybe your calf or your quad? Or is there discomfort to that, you know? And so if there's a little more discomfort and pain, I think a lot of women feel that that's alarming because this area can be a bit of a mystery box. And so we want to sort of like say, no, this is a stretch. These muscles are overworked. And if I stretched your quad after a marathon, you'd be like, woo, this is sore. And and life is a marathon on your pelvic floor. It's doing a lot of work. It's I mean, I've heard before that it's kind of holding everything in. Absolutely. It is our support structure for our pelvic organs, our uterus, our fallopian tubes, our ovaries, our bladder, right? So it, it it's doing a lot and it has a lot of function that we take for granted. And then when these symptoms come up, we don't really know. A lot of women feel that it's a lot more sinister what's happening to them because these are sort of unexplored areas for a lot of women. A lot of women don't know what a Kegel is. They don't know if they're performing a Kegel well, and they don't know, are they too tight or are they actually just weak? And I don't like to say it, but the sort of flapping in the wind type sort of concept. And that's not really the case. If anything, most women are too tight. Okay. Interesting. So I want to start with the perineal massage. This is something everybody can try. Absolutely. So you're taking your thumb and you're reaching down and sliding into your vagina and you're pressing downward Downwards. toward your back or toward your yes, anus. So exactly. oftentimes we've talked about your G-spot being curling up toward the tummy wall. This is the interior, the lower wall. Yes. And so you might start at those different positions with maybe just an exploration to begin with. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, and I mean, I think a lot of women say, when should I start this? And I tell them, if you're having sex, you should be doing this. Okay. Because sex is a workout for your pelvic floor muscles. And if you work out your pelvic floor muscles well enough, they're going to be tired. Okay. They're gonna, that's a workout. So What if I lie on my back and never move? <laughs> I, I just want to quickly apologize. There is some construction going on. There's just nothing we can do about it. So if you hear some drilling... It's not us and our vibrators. It's an actual <laughs> drill outside. So you can use your thumb mm -hmm. to do this perineal massage. Would you start with just kind of pressing and breathing to see how it feels? Absolutely. So we know that even like a nice focused breathing pattern can relax any muscle in the body if you do it with a little bit of focus, a little bit of concentration. So if you push down with your thumb and you're feeling a little bit of like, hmm, that's a little bit sore, try that sort of four count breathing, breathing in for four, hold for four, down or out for four, hold for four. And then you're going to see 
do you still have that same amount of sort of like discomfort, pain, soreness after maybe two or three cycles of that? And then if it's sort of faded, then move your thumb over. What happens a little bit to the left? What happens a little bit to the right? A little more tension. Okay, let's do that breathing pattern again. So it's exploratory. It's a little bit of stretch. You know, you're not trying to, it's not fascial stretch therapy on your vagina, but it's it's giving it a little bit of a like, whoo, breather because it's doing a lot. And you now have this pelvic wand, the Kegel release curve. So it's a really mm-hmm. beautiful uh, medical grade stainless steel. Uh, it ri- reminds me just a tiny bit of some of the toys I've seen that mm-hmm. are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what advantage does a wand like this provide versus say just a thumb? Just a thumb. So a lot of it is, um, so my backstory is that I've, I've had two children and my first child was 11 and a half pounds. So RIP my vagina. And, um, but I had been told to do perineal massage. So perineal massage is most often recommended to pregnant women to prepare their pelvic floors for birth. And what they want to do is just get a little bit of stretch on that area because a head needs to exit. And so I had... A little monster. Yeah, God bless. 11 and a half pounds? Yeah. Well, I just met your husband. He's very tall. Yes. Is it his big head that did all this? Like I don't know. It was... uh, We didn't know it was going to be that. And I had 17 medical people come into my room just to see the giant baby because I had set some records that day, apparently. So, yeah, no, apparently I was a circus. Um, And so... I had been told to do perineal massage, but honest to God, by the we usually tell you to start around 35 weeks. So that really end phase, I was pretty large. I could barely reach to wipe in all honesty. And so then they recommend that like your partner do it. And I was like, hmm, that's a hard pass for me. I don't think I would let my husband massage my shoulders, let alone go down and sort of figure it out. So I remember thinking like, I just needed something with a little extra reach. Um, and so that's the first thing is that our, our wand makes it easier for pregnant women to just get that little bit of extra reach and have their own privacy to explore themselves. Because there's something very um, important that when you do it to yourself, you can anticipate that amount of pressure when someone else does it there will always be some amount of guarding whether you like it or not because you don't know when that person is going to apply too much pressure. And if it's too much pressure, you will guard. It'll be counterintuitive. So it's exactly what we're not trying to do. So you're actually going to tense up. Now, you might teach your partner at a later time if you've really learned about this. Uh, I think, too, during pregnancy. So this would be relevant to all people with vaginas, not just pregnant folks. Right. But I think at the time during pregnancy, you're being poked and prodded and kind of treated like an oven. And folks are coming in with no, oftentimes no personalization to the procedures being performed. And so this is something that you can do with and for yourself. Mm-hmm. But you're saying that all of us, if we're having sex, could benefit from this. Absolutely. So the other thing that makes the surgical grade or medical grade stainless steel really important is that we can warm it up. And having anything warmed is always going to feel a little bit nicer. So 
And that can be, you can change the temperature. You, maybe it's lukewarm. Maybe you like a little bit more heat to it. You know, whatever it is, even inserting this and doing your focus breathing with that warmth being created on your pelvic floor can be incredibly soothing. And then after a minute or two, that's when maybe you start to apply some of the sort of like stretch and pressure to the area, um, which is really, really nice. Um, it's dual ended. So for pregnant women, they're going to maybe want to start pushing towards that larger end. But for the general population, it's about a half inch, but just under two centimeters is what they're inserting um, and giving a little bit of stretch for that. Um, so it looks like a, a, a slight curve. Maybe it's, an, it's almost like an S-shaped right. or a question mark. Oh, okay. And then there's almost a ball yeah. on one end, a ball on the other, and yes. there's two different sizes. Two different sizes. Um, do people also use it for pleasure? Because I could see this being a pleasure element. So I'm more in the medical wellness. So you can use anything for pleasure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so no, what I'm saying is you absolutely. If It's got a great sort of like curve on the one smaller end that you absolutely could still do like a G-spot sort of yeah. stimulation, grab that back end of the clitoris inside. Yes. Um, but uh, we promote it more for the stretching. But Actually, I would, yeah. So when you say the back end of the clitoris, I'm thinking of the rod on the inside mm -hmm. so just so folks know so at the very top of where the lips meet you find this little ball mm -hmm. that is rich in nerve endings that we tend to call the clitoris but mm -hmm. that's not the clitoris that's only the head of the clitoris mm -hmm. over the clitoris you have a little hood and behind that little ball is a shaft or a rod mm -hmm. comprised of erectile tissue yeah. and so you can certainly rub that from the outside but what you're telling me is that if you reach just inside the vagina like not mm -hmm. even probably a centimeter right and press upward Mm -hmm. you can put some pressure against the internal rod. So to clarify, it's not inside the vagina, right? but it's accessible through the vagina? Would that it be? It still can be, yeah. I mean, we sort of think of the, the clitoris as really like what we know the clitoris to be is that button, which is really the tip of the sort of Titanic iceberg. Well, and it's the equivalent to the penis. Like they right. both have the corpora cavernosa, corpora mm -hmm. spongiosum, the shaft, yeah. the head, the foreskin. And I always joke that if you just press and release on the head of the clitoris and ring it like a doorbell, mm -hmm. it's the equivalent of taking a penis and just poking on the head. So if I were to take my microphone right now, it sounds or feels like just a poke with my finger, ding, 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 ding. How absurd <laughs> yeah. is that? So there's yeah. a lot more to play with yeah. with the clitoris. So so this pelvic wand mm -hmm. can be used to massage down below yeah. for the perineum. You suggest yeah. people begin at sort of straight in front just a centimeter or two in? Yeah, it doesn't have to be. There's a lot of deeper muscles that we can get to with any pelvic wand. Mm -hmm. And depending on, there's even some people with a lot of hip problems. If we go to more of a sports medicine sort of focus, a lot of hip problems that, you know, they've seen physio, they've done a lot. They're getting almost like a deep pain in their buttock, in their sort of butt cheek region. And they've seen and had it massaged out. A lot of the time, it's actually this internal hip rotator muscle that's causing most of the the problems it's the culprit and we can get in there and actually release the muscle internally now what I'll say with that is you really need to see a pelvic floor um, physiotherapist to make sure that you are on the right stuff there is a couple of nerves in there that we don't really want to disrupt but with the pelvic wand it's possible it's a lot harder with your own hand to get to that 
what is safe for people to do in their own vagina? So we're not talking about hips. We're just talking about massaging the perineal floor. Is there any risk? Like, are people going to, am I going to do damage? Am I going to put too much pressure? Or is my intuition actually (laughs) in some ways going to be better than a therapist just for massage? Absolutely. So there's a one spot right at three o'clock and nine o'clock, which is where our one nerve is going to sit. And we don't really want to, you never really want to piss off any of the nerves, right? So um, anywhere else. So yeah, that one inch in and just pulling down around that six, anywhere from like almost four o'clock around to eight o'clock, you're good, right? Right up at 12 o'clock is our urethra, which is our pee hole. You don't press on that. You'll know right away that you shouldn't press on that. Is that the case that, you know, if the three and the nine aren't the best places to press that and it's there's a nerve and nerve mm-hmm. endings there, mm-hmm. I'm going to notice that, right? You should, but you never know. <laughs> so we sort of, even like as me as a therapist, I am not going to push around on three or nine o'clock so that I don't irritate any nerve ending, which would give potentially pelvic pain symptoms. And so just to clarify, this is on the lower wall. Yes, this is on the, the lower, vagina. yeah, the bottom. So that bottom clock bit from four to eight, you're good. That is all muscle. Okay. And So folks can try this on their own, or of course, you know, I've always recommended if you can see a pelvic floor physiotherapist, Mm -hmm. please do. I know not everyone has access, whether because they're remotely located or they don't have benefits, Uh, but if you do have access, use those benefits. And now I want to talk a little bit about symptoms, Okay. right? So you mentioned that you can be kind of one of two things. Well, you can be right in the middle, which is healthy with a strong toned pelvic floor that has the capacity to both tense like a Kegel, Mm -hmm. and release. Yes. And then you can be kind of too tense, Mm -hmm. and then you can be uh, not strong, like too too loose. I don't love that word. I know, I know. It's, yes, basically there's no tone. Okay. We can say that. Great. There's no tone to the muscle, and it's, it's giving maybe like little flickers or mini contractions that really aren't gonna hold much. Okay, so on each of those sides, we wanna get back to the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, where do we begin? So I'll tell you, uh, I've seen a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Um, one of the challenges I have recently, especially because I've been really, really um, under some stress with some personal stuff, personal stuff recently, mm-hmm. uh, is that I actually have trouble peeing. So I yeah. know I am tensed up. Yeah. Uh, what is there something I can do for that? So I would recommend perineal massage okay. for you, right? And I would say that if those muscles aren't being able to relax on their own and these are during circumstances where people have a lot of anxiety stress there's a lot going on in their lives this is when we do typically see a lot more symptoms and I can't treat all of the the life and external factors that are acting on you and we can sometimes we just can't control those they are what they are so what can we do physically and where can we take moments for ourselves to sort of even give that those muscles a little bit of a stretch and do a little bit of breathing so a little bit more manual therapy like perineal massage and so I like to recommend doing perineal massage in the shower oh and the reason while I'm standing you can do it standing or even if you got the shampoo in your hair or conditioner in your hair, you're letting it sit for two minutes, have a seat in the tub. Oh. Let your legs kind of flop out okay. to the tub sides okay. because then you're relaxed. Okay. And then stick thumb, pelvic wand, whatever down there, 30 seconds at six o'clock. 
30 seconds at five, okay. 30 seconds at seven. Okay. Okay. Do that once more through. Two okay. and a half minutes. Okay. Right? Because You know I don't condition my hair, right? Lucky girl. <laughs> God bless in our Canadian winters. Good for you. No, no, I do. I, I, I just don't, I don't do it at home often. Uh, okay. So that, that makes sense to me. And then I was also told to do some squats. So squats and what that does is, is when we sink down and the way we angle our pelvis sometimes in a squat is a stretch, right? So that's letting your pelvic your, your pelvic bones almost move in a way that you're trying to give those a stretch. So that is going to help. Um, I always sort of think like stretching can be good, but is a manual approach a little bit better? Yeah. I, I just think it's like having a massage, right? Right. Going for a massage for that one-on-one, get all the muscles in one go. To me, that's a really efficient way of getting a stretch on our muscles. So I could do them in kind of in tandem where I can Absolutely. squat. Would it be good to do the perineal massage while I'm squatting or no? Difficult oh. in the position. Um, I'm really flexible, like a little crab. True. I have seen you headstand too. Um, I can put my elbows under my knees and stand on my hands like a little crab walking around. Okay. Yeah, I probably shouldn't. These yeah. are these are things I shouldn't be doing to my body, maybe. <laughs> uh, and I'm not as good as uh, good at them as I was before. Now, the other thing I run into, look at me just here for the free advice, um, is so sometimes I have trouble peeing, and I know that I just need to take a few deep breaths because it yes I need to do the physical part which mm-hmm. is helping to relax those muscles right but also I need to do more mindful breathing of I need course. to wake up in the morning uh, I'm trying to start right now with seven deep slow breaths mm-hmm. where I just feel my body rather than reaching for my phone and checking my messages which has you know become a bad habit while I'm on the road yeah. to wake myself up I never do that at home because I'm not taking the phone into the bedroom but when I'm on the road I have these bad habits um, I find that I need to you know, do a body scan at some point during the day. Good. So to work on the physical elements as well as the psychological elements that for sure if have a psychogenic effect, meaning what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling mm-hmm. are showing up with physical manifestations Absolutely. in the body. And so the other thing that I run into is sometimes I feel like I have to pee, but I don't have to pee. Mm-hmm. Is that typical for someone with, what's the diagnosis I had from mine? So hypertonic. Hypertonic. Right. So hyper being excess and then tonic just meaning the tension, hypertonic pelvic floor. Right. So absolutely. So you're saying that you're feeling that urge and sometimes that can be just our pelvic floor muscles pushing or, or squeezing our bladder such that it's giving a cue to our bladder that we might be full or we might have urine there and so and then you kind of go and everything relaxes and it's like oh no that was just no that was unnecessary just the dribble so is it sort of and this is again lay people term because this is not my area of expertise Mm -hmm. is it like I'm tensing up that it's putting pressure on the bladder and making me feel like I have to pee yes exactly does that have an effect on my urethral sponge as well it can um any pressure on that area yes The reason I ask is sometimes when I have to pee, like if I actually have a full bladder, Mm -hmm. um, that pressure, I think, affects the G-spot or the urethral sponge. And I think that I want sex. Like I feel Ah. like I might be horny. And then if you go pee, you're like, oh, no, man, I just need to go pee. (laughs) (laughs) So much easier. No. Right. right, right. Sometimes that's pleasurable. (laughs) Right. And you're at a meeting and now that's more convenient. (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, we have folks like me who are, are too tense. And I know yeah. I really work on this, right. on being more relaxed in life. And it's funny, yesterday I was feeling so relaxed. Um, my flight was delayed and I got a couple extra hours with my partner and we got a bite to eat and right. we hung out in the bedroom. And then something happened on mm-hmm. the way to the airport. Um, with a family member and it just like I got so worked up and I remember I in the car I had to say okay I need to calm down because I don't feel like getting on a flight feeling this way I have to go straight to an event when I land Mm -hmm. and so I had to do the psychological piece because at the airport I'm not reaching in and doing the perineal massage for sure (laughs) and so if we have hypertonic meaning too tense yes the opposite of that so you got nice and relaxed and healthy and toned and Mm -hmm. the the capacity to contract and release in the middle which is where we're all kind of trying to get to on the other side, we have, is it hypo? Hypo, yep, hypotonic, right? So, and that can be um, absolutely after birth we see this. I think a lot of women assume that that's just what's going to happen after birth. The baby sort of like paves a 407 highway out of you, and then you're left with sort of like all this entirely stretched out sort of hallway so the 407 folks (laughs) is a a toll road uh, outside of toronto or i don't don't actually know where it goes but somewhere in the toronto area large highway (laughs) yeah a big highway that doesn't have a lot of cars on it because it's like 20 bucks to drive on that highway exactly i've taken it before and then you get this like i think i got a 28 dollar bill yeah in the mail for like you know a 20 minute drive oh yeah so okay so (laughs) yes so it it, it paves a highway out of you (laughs) and then you're sort of left with these muscles that don't know how to contract or relax it almost i think we also associate that if if they're damaged, you know, so episiotomy, meaning they have to cut your pelvic floor to allow the baby to pass, or even if women get tears, that those muscles have just like stopped being used and everything's sort of weak. And that can happen. I think a lot of where women are getting that is that there was a lot of pain associated with the with the birth. And then the pain will always inhibit, okay? They never really dealt with any stretching because right after birth, good chance all of that guarded. And then maybe six, eight months pass, it's painful. And so the contractions aren't happening. The body will intuitively stop contracting any muscle if it assumes that it's going to cause pain right? So we see this a lot, even with knee surgeries, we can't get the one quadricep muscle to fire because the the brain is telling it, don't do anything right now, everything's healing. And so then we get into this pattern of disuse and disuse will always create weakness. And so postpartum, where do you even begin? And I know that everybody's going to be a bit different, but just considering, is it okay to say that childbirth is traumatic? Absolutely. As beautiful as childbirth should be, like 11 and a half pounds is trauma, (laughs) right? Um, But it's, even if we have the best birth and it's such a great experience, it's still an athletic event for our vaginas, right? And and it still had to go through contractions. We're pushing. That is effort. It's a vaginal Olympian. It, absolutely. Absolutely. We are weightlifting during labor, basically. Oh. Right? We are, those muscles are contracting. They're pushing. A baby is pushing and stretching them open while we're trying to contract even. So absolutely, it's it's an Olympics. So what do you do? after childbirth when do you start where do you begin so everyone should just calm down so I'm a big believer in the fourth trimester right and the fourth trimester really is it's 12 weeks and I would say that 
If you had a knee surgery, I would not let you run anywhere between six to 12 weeks after that knee surgery. I don't care if you're an Olympic athlete or Jessica on the street. I, you need to wait because there's a healing process. Mm-hmm. And so allow that healing process to happen. I don't even need you to be doing a whole bunch of Kegels right after. And I think that's what we are told. Because there's this fear and there's this stigma that I'm loose, right? Like there's this huge, because when I was diagnosed as hypertonic, the idea was that I'm tight, but it's actually that there's a tension, but I'm weak. So it's not a good thing. Yeah. And we, we were like, oh, tight vaginas are good. Loose vaginas are not good. And that's not the way it is. We want our vaginas to be, or is it the vagina or the muscles around the vagina? The vagina is our internal. So that's still, it's all considered okay. pelvic floor. So we, sometimes we'll just say pelvic floor. We want it to be toned. Mm-hmm. We want the ability to, is it okay to say squeeze? Yes. And release. Yes. Right? We don't want to be too squeezed mm-hmm. and we don't want to be too released yes and you know the stigma it's you know it's rooted in misogyny and it's rooted in the notion that like there are good vaginas and bad vaginas and if you have sex with lots of penises you're going to be loose which is hilarious to me because the same penis can go in you over and over again and the notion is that it doesn't stretch you because it's the same penis but if i pick like 15 different penises in a span of 15 days Mm -hmm. somehow it's worse and again this is just you know tied to gender expectations Mm -hmm. around sex and Mm -hmm. you know challenges around the notion of promiscuity i don't even love that word right so relax for the first 12 weeks is what you're saying i think so i think that we need to just relax and heal right and then you sort of see your obgyn or your birth provider whoever that might be at the six week mark and we get into those appointments and they say how are things going you're like fine I i i think and then they say okay you're good And then women are really left a little bit, what do we do, right? So you can absolutely start pelvic physio at that six-week mark, okay? I tend to say go eight to 12 weeks, right? There's a lot of swelling that is still present even at six weeks. And a lot of pressure. And a lot of pressure. Right, like you're probably not sleeping well. No. You're probably not taking the time for yourself. Right. You're probably not, you know, really carving out time to connect with a partner or partners if you have them. Mm-hmm. And so everything in your world mm-hmm. is in flux. Absolutely. Right. There probably can't be a bigger transition no. for most people than becoming responsible to take care of a life and make sure it makes it. <laughs> right. And so the pressure alongside the physical components. Can, mm-hmm. I think it can just be overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I mean, when we talk about stress being an, like a big effect on the pelvic floor, that is a very stressful time. So I think we can kind of leave the pelvic physio off the table as you're doing that whole transition. And around eight to 12 weeks, get yourself booked in for a pelvic physio exam. Maybe you had a tear maybe you had an episiotomy, maybe you just want to start learning how to use that pelvic floor muscle, that Kegel again. And that's when we're going to start doing that. How do you do a proper Kegel? So a proper Kegel is probably the most misunderstood concept (laughs) ever. And it's really a mix of a squeeze and a lift. 
So there are so many different analogies. You know I'm doing it, right? Yep. Can I mean, you see I, me doing yes, it? your eyebrows told me. <laughs> Is that a thing? If somebody lifts their eyebrows, they might be doing a Kegel? Not that, but the look of concentration that a woman has is has on her face, you can just tell. And I have seen a lot of facial expressions <laughs> as I say, okay, give me your best Kegel. So squeeze and lift. So squeeze and lift. So a couple of analogies that get used, right? So one is picturing a blueberry right at the entrance of your vagina and that you are going to try and just almost with a straw, pull that blueberry inside of you. Okay. Another one is the milkshake is you got a milkshake and a straw and you need those muscles to pull the milkshake, that thick milkshake up and in. Okay, that's a little bit more. I like that. Um, even sometimes um, picturing... Now, the other thing that women need to know is that blueberry can either be pictured at the entrance of your vagina or at your anus. It's the same muscles. Oh, I didn't know this. Mind I, blow, I, mind blow, mind I blow. I thought that I was supposed to like isolate these muscles and not squeeze my anus at the same time. So squeezing our butt cheeks together is our glutes, which is an external muscle, but that lift. So sometimes thinking about like not passing wind in the elevator with 12 other people there, you're kind of, you're holding it. That's not necessarily your butt cheeks. That is pelvic floor. So it's, could I say like, it's kind of the muscles of my anus as opposed to the muscles of my glutes or my external butt? Yes, it's that inside. So thinking about not passing wind is sometimes that for women sometimes is a big cue. Unless nobody's going to know who it is in the elevator, then go ahead. Exactly. Crop dust. (laughs) uh, Dude, I think that's everybody's MO on the plane. They just fart like crazy because no one can hear them. I'm like, it's one of you. I know. You know what? There's enough different (laughs) smells that it's all of you. Exactly. Exactly. So you are clenching your butt, but you're not squeezing your butt cheeks. Exactly. Oh, I never knew that. So if you push your pelvis forward and that's sort of that thrust that we can kind of picture with our butt cheeks, like that push forward... That's all external. That's you're just moving your pelvic bones, but not nothing internal, right? Nothing's lifting inside when we do that motion. Okay. So that that's really useful now. That's how you do the first half mm-hmm. of a Kegel. Mm-hmm. What is the second half with the release? With the release is, so a couple of things. I don't particularly liken my vagina to a flower. That's just been a thing for me. I don't, it's not a flower. Mine's so, just the middle of the daisy. All the petals are gone. Right. <laughs> so a lot, some, some pelvic physios will say, think of the flower blooming, right? To release that muscle. Okay. And so we live in Toronto. We have Ripley's Aquarium. And so I picture the jellyfish. Right. So think of that jellyfish when it lifts up, it pulls all together. So there's your pelvic floor contraction. And then as it sort of flattens back out, it's that relaxation. So am I actually pushing out or am I just relaxing? Just relaxing. Because I can push out like I'm trying to blow out a candle. That's not what I'm trying to do. No, that's not it. That's that's actually if you're pushing, that's that's tension, right? That's a contraction is to push down. And a lot of that actually is just a built up pressure in our core. So it's just just relaxing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, I actually wanted to ask you another question from before. How do you differentiate when you're doing the perineal massage? And I'm sorry to jump back, but I think it's important between pain and discomfort. Great question. So I tend to always 
liken it to like stretching any other body part, right? So if I had someone maybe stretching my calf or my quad, I may feel a bit of a pull and that may not feel the best. And so I usually call that discomfort. If I want to tell that person to stop, to me, that's gotten into a pain type provocation, right? So like a little bit of pull, a little bit of pressure, mm-hmm. but if it feels like if it's burning. Yeah, a, burn, it's a pinchy, pain. a okay. pinchy pain, or it's causing you to move. Oh. That to me is pain, okay. right? So if, it, if you want to either stop or you shift to get that pain or that, that f- sensation to stop, to me that's pain. That must be difficult because so many of us don't want to admit that we feel pain. I've even run into this in a massage mm-hmm. where it maybe is too much, but I kind of don't want to tell them. I haven't practiced and developed my being assertive enough to right. say that doesn't work for me. So I think right. that if you're moving onto your pelvic floor, uh, you might want to practice in your body first in, in an area that doesn't feel maybe as sensitive or as intimate or as vulnerable. Absolutely. And yeah, that that's just something that kind of resonates with me mm-hmm. thinking about being afraid to admit when something is painful, partly because, you know, I've been maybe taught to be tough. Right. Or you don't want to admit it. Uh, yeah. But I think really we have to trust our own intuition mm-hmm. because if you can tell if, you know, I can pinch my thumb right now. Yeah. Or I could take the tweezers and pinch it to the point that it hurts. And I can. Of course. Differentiate between yeah. those two. So I need to have enough confidence in my body to know that I can do the same thing with my vagina. And right. especially if, you had, if you've had given birth you're an Olympian. The vagina is an Olympian. It's the best in the world. It's done this thing and populated the world. And of course, there are plenty of people who aren't using their vaginas as a birth canal. That is also cool. I happen to be one of those people. Right. Um, So no, no pressure. I think, you know, oftentimes we feel like, oh, we must do all of these things. However, your insights uh, are relevant to absolutely everyone. Yes. I find, I find um, so many takeaways here. So I hope people will think about perineal massage with a thumb or with your finger, with a prop, with a tool like Mm -hmm. the Kegel release curve, your pelvic wand, uh, and think about what a Kegel is and practice. Consider seeing a pelvic floor physiotherapist. And then, of course, the psychological piece and the lifestyle piece about, you know, looking for ways to feel more relaxed in your body because we cannot just fix the muscle. We have to fix the whole body and the whole self and the whole mind. And we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago with Dr. Maha Mm -hmm. about if you only release the muscle, but don't deal with, for for example, trauma. Right. Right. So of course, we were talking about vaginismus. So we have to look at all of this holistically. And uh, yeah, I think I think we've got some great tools for people to begin with. And I think we covered a lot. So thank you so much for talking about the fourth trimester, the blueberry analogy, the visualization of the jellyfish, how to do a proper Kegel, different approaches to perineal massage, the difference between hypertonic, hypotonic, and the nice kind of happy space in between. That's a lot of takeaway. So uh, yeah, thank you for being here. We're going to share all your links so people can follow along and check out the Kegel release curve. We're going to leave a link to that as well. Uh, thank you for being here thank you to you for listening big thanks to desire resort and cruises make sure you check them out on instagram at desire experience and wherever you're at have a wonderful week you're listening to the sex with dr jess podcast improve your sex life improve your life